This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. So Carlos Santana and I built a com- built one of them called Casa Noble. On this show, we venture into the world of startups to a critical moment when aspiring entrepreneurs put it all on the line and pitch investors for funding. We quit our nice lives and we moved out here to a garage in Palo Alto. So you're replacing recruiters. Most of you haven't applied to a job since you were, you know, in college like me. I mean, any any good person doesn't apply for a job, right? Today, we hear from a brash East Coast founder who is sure she has the solution for helping companies find great talent. But a solution is just the start. She also has to convince investors she is an entrepreneur worth betting on. And that could be a tough sell. Phil Nadell is the co-founder of Forefront Venture Partners. He's all about managing risk and won't go in on investment unless the numbers are rock solid. Three million, we do the whole thing. Jillian Manis is here representing Structure Capital. Her investment decisions often hinge on whether she could be a good match for the company by bringing value beyond just the money. And I see the merit. I just want to make sure that I always add smart money, just not money. Jake Chapman's here with Gelt VC. He has a keen eye for the small details. And as a former lawyer, he'll hold the founder accountable for their every word. They're going to shut you down on that name. It's definitely trademark infringement. Howie Diamond founded the VC firm Ranch Ventures. He's looking for entrepreneurs who think outside the box, someone with that X factor that you can't quite put your finger on. I dig your mojo, man. Joining us this week is Shiel Manat with 500 Startups. He isn't afraid to call things exactly how he sees them. And he's looking for a founder who can dish it back. As much as I want the business to exist, I don't know if it can. So I don't know if you ever tried that. And then no. we sold it to Crown about... It's mid-morning in San Francisco, and our investors are waiting on the next entrepreneur. They're shooting the breeze to pass the time, which, if you're a big-time investor like Jillian Manis, means revealing the details of your latest Super Bowl party. So I built the San Francisco Bridge. Uh, it was an acre long um, in my backyard, in the back. <laughs> you built the a tent. model of, of... Yeah, and then NASA called me the day after my party. He was like, hello, Miss Manis. I said, yes. And he said, this is uh, Lieutenant So-and-so from NASA. Oh. Oh. And... oh. Hey. Hi. Hey. Nice to meet you. Founder Laura Bilizarian enters the room as Jillian leaves us on a real cliffhanger of a story. Why did NASA want Jillian's replica? We'll tell you at the end. But now, we have a pitch to hear. Tell okay. us. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, I'm Laura from Teamable, and we've built the best way to hire the right teammates via data-driven referrals. Laura explains that she used to work in a Wall Street investment bank. There, like a lot of places, hiring the right talent was incredibly hard, a constant struggle. But she noticed, on average, when they hired people employees knew, those people consistently performed better than people who applied cold. This isn't news, right? 
Companies know that good employees come from referrals, but finding those people is the tricky part. If only there was a way to make it really easy, like to gather all those friends and associates in one place, like a big social network. The average person has between 500 and 1,500 connections across Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, the oldest social network, which is their email. The thing is, like, they don't know necessarily who those people are, and they're not thinking about them in terms of positions at their company. But with the right technology, it'd be easy for employees to identify and contact qualified applicants through their social networks. Laura decided she had to be the one to build that technology. Um, so we did what any normal person would do. We quit our nice lives and we moved out here to a garage in Palo Alto. Um, and so we're raising a million dollars to accelerate our growth. Is this your first company? Yes. Yeah. But I was an investment banker, you know, so I was yeah. in a lot of these meetings with other people's companies. Yeah. Tell us more about how it works. Well, I'll just use an example of a company we're launching uh, in a few days is Medallia, which is pre-IPO. Medallia is just one of several dozen T-Mobile customers. And they're all using this technology that Laura's team built over the last couple of years. Here's how it works. If you're an employee at one of these companies, T-Mobile will comb through your networks, Facebook, LinkedIn, even your email contacts, to find matches for open positions. HR flags their favorites. And then you can personally invite those friends to apply. It's very, very effective. So you're sure. replacing recruiters? Yes, we are replacing agencies. We were just talking to Warby Parker in New York yesterday. Their engineers are getting between 20 and 100 messages a day. Like, they're ignoring them. But when it comes from their friend that they used to work at Google with, they respond. The employees empowered to reach out to their friends once there's a match? Yeah. Are, are the companies making their employees do this? Because if I were an employee yeah, and someone said, yeah, that's show like me the all biggest, of your uh, friends. Yes, Laura is very clear about this. No one is required to make their networks available to Teamable. It's entirely voluntary. Usually, a company using Teamable will send out an all-staff email that goes something like this. Hey, we all know referrals make great hires. We all don't have time to go through our networks every time a new position opens. Can you take 30 seconds and upload your contacts into Teamable? By the way, you're just giving the names. No one can see your Facebook wall. No one can see your LinkedIn. It's like a spreadsheet type thing. I think it makes sense and. Like, I never respond to recruiters, but... I'm sure a lot of, most of you haven't applied to a job since you were, you know, in college yeah. like me. I mean, any any good person doesn't apply for a job, right? Yeah. But um, the... Um, well, that's like, not that's true. true. That's I've never hired true. anybody who was looking for a true. job. I've yeah, hired people who are great people, and they're, well, yeah. great people aren't just available. Yeah. So I think there's a huge, like, the biggest challenge my companies all have is talent right now. Um, but, so I, I, I feel the need. There, there are other players in the space, broadly, job fight, Doing all sorts yep. of other stuff. I'm still struggling for like what you do that's that's differentiated. Yeah, so a couple of things we do that's differentiated is we tap into social graphs like GitHub and Facebook, which LinkedIn, for example, can't do. So we've spent a lot of time in stealth building that capability. It's not easy. The other way that we're different is a lot of companies have tried to like automate the matches. Um, but the problem is if you automate the matches, one bad match and people start hating the software, right? Yeah. Whereas if you let the recruiters drive it, and pick out the matches, then the matches are 100% correct. How's it going so like overall for you like as a first-time entrepreneur? I mean, I went through the darkness last year where it was like... <laughs> you were in the trough of sorrow. No one, people are like, no one's going to pay you to use their own con, You know, that kind of that kind of stuff. And I really didn't know. Everything I did, I didn't know what I was doing. But Silicon Valley has been really great. And so things have been, you know, it's good now. 
first-time entrepreneurs. They can be a big gamble for investors, which might explain why Howie asked Laura about it. But her answer, that she's been through the darkness, this proverbial trough of sorrow, is a surprisingly honest response. It could mean that she's earned her stripes as a founder, or it could mean she doesn't have the stomach for business. That's just one of the questions investors will need to hammer down before putting any money on the table. Tell me about... Um, Revenue. We've been growing at 47% month over month. We're at 42 MRR. $42,000 in monthly recurring revenue, MRR, is a pretty impressive start. Last quarter, with two salespeople, we closed 225K in new bookings. Uh, we're good. <laughs> take it from the beginning. From the beginning. Yes. So we're at 42,000 no, no, no. in monthly take recurring back revenue. Back up, back okay. up. Where you charge on a subscription basis, oh, yeah. and we charge per employee per month. How much oh, how do much you charge? Yeah, we charge sometimes as much as twenty dollars per employee per month. Um, What's the average, though? I actually don't. I don't know the average, but it's it's very close to that twenty. Uh, we've done some bigger deals now that are like a thousand people, and that will go down to like eight dollars per employee per month. But that's sort of weird because like per employee. Shouldn't it be based on how many people they're hiring? No, it's per employee per month because every employee comes with a value, which is their net, the candidates and their network and their ability to influence their network. And then also, like, we can't account for their close rates. So this can scale infinitely. Yeah. You could scale up to hundreds yeah, of thousands of we employees. we can do anyone. And we, Laura tells investors that T-Mobile's largest customer has several thousand employees and pays six figures a year for the service. But most of T-Mobile's customers have fewer employees. So they pay a lot less, $12,000 on average. And then she says something that really gets the investor's attention. Customers pay us up front. Oh, they pay you all up front? A lot of times, yeah. Because they're budget conscious, so like we use that as part of the negotiation. Okay, great, you pay us up front, you can do $15 per employee per month. I think you're disciplined, and I think that's actually the best way to grow. What's your burn? In this instance, Jillian is asking about gross burn. In other words, she just wants to know how much money T-Mobile is spending each month. What's our, our burn? It's 20K. By how many people? Uh, we have 27. Wait, T-Mobile has 27 employees and they're only spending $20,000 a month? Even if they had no other overhead costs, that would be less than $800 per employee per month. I made a contrarian bet on Armenia, um, which is, I'm ethnically Armenian. So I went there and they have a lot of those top engineers like those other Eastern European countries, but no one's tapping into it. And so we're the best game in Armenia. um, And so we have great engineers. What do you pay them? I'd rather not Nothing. say on that. <laughs> uh, they're the cheapest for the region, so and and I'm blaming my co-founders on this. They're Armenian, so they set the okay. prices. I love the fact that you're doing that. Yeah. I, I love it. That must give you amazing pride. It does. That's how I made it through the darkness, if we're talking about yeah. like honestly, like if I if it weren't for, you know, creating opportunity for Armenia, like through those periods where things didn't work and where no one wanted to buy it and all that stuff, like I probably I would have just given up, you know, but it was really for that that kept me through, you know, and it's created immense pride and hope and things like that over there. By keeping employee costs low, Laura is doing something companies at this stage don't often do, turn a profit. But what is all that profit worth, really? In other words, what's the price tag on Laura's company? Now we want to take anything less than a 15 million cap. How much are you raising? We would take another 150. 
So you're taking a 150 and a 15. Yeah. What's your MRR going to be by the end of this year, do you think? By the end of this year, we'll get to that 100K. So 15 is a very, is a little bit hefty evaluation for, um, because you, that's not, you're not yet at the, at the Series A. So, uh, I mean, it's a cap, right? So it's your chance to get in or just not. You know Wait, why, I mean? raise, why are you raising 150k? Yeah, yeah if you don't that. need it. Uh, I mean, just because I mean, just because I'm on the show and I wanted to, you know, give you guys a chance to get in. Like, I really don't. You don't need it. You don't need, need us. It, yeah. So why come on the show? Because uh, there's 40,000 listeners, all of which hiring is a pain point for. Oh, I like your strategic uh, mind. I'm very opportunistic. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. your honesty. So, does anyone want to get in at the? Just moments after Laura revealed that she doesn't actually need the funding, she's asking investors if they want in on the deal. Let's see how this plays out. Here's Phil. I think uh, the valuation that you're offering us uh, is, is a little rich at this stage. I know that you have better insight into where you'll be in a few months than we do, of course. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested. I'm just uh, a little turned off by a $15 million valuation uh, at, 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 at a $42,000 MRR, but, um, but a 47% month over month growth, like, yeah, yeah. But, but you're asking that. us to invest sort of, you know, at valuation levels three months from now. And enterprise deal. Like people would invest in that if you just had one six figure, like how many companies have six figure enterprise deals? Like not that well, many. But I can know? tell you, like, I mean, companies we invest in at, at 42 thousand dollar MRRs, which is where you are today, you know, we're not, get, they're not getting anywhere near $15 million valuation. I know yeah. for you, you're in a good position because you don't need the money. They also don't have the same cash flow profile that we have because think about like the unit economics plus the cost of engineering is a fraction. So our total engineering cost is 15000 including office a month, dude. That's so the cash well, that, that we that's will all throw part off. Of, that's is, all part of we're cash flow positive. Which other no, companies? No, that's part of also the growth, pro, the cash flow of no, the business. I mean, going look, so forward. look, I, I look at a ton of SaaS businesses. Uh-huh. There, there are other businesses that take cash up front and are cash flow positive. There are t- tons of them, and I, I've got a company in my portfolio that's doing a few hundred k MRR, but actually, like they're taking million dollar contracts up front. So it's not unique. Are they not, are they valued at less than fifteen million? No, but they're they're doing like. 8x the business you are, and they're yeah. valued at 25, 30 million. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's a different level. I, I want to be in, right? I, I want to invest. Uh, I'm just having trouble with the number. Um, so uh, I I think uh, regrettably, I think I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna have to pass at 15 million. Is there a number at which you wouldn't pass? Yeah, I, I think for me at 10, I would do it. No. Can't do it. So Phil just passed. Or wait, was it Laura that just passed? Either way, they couldn't agree on the valuation. Because Laura won't go lower than $15 million, Phil won't get as much of the company as he wants. So he's out. Here's Jake. So for me, I think there's three things. First, I think I'm probably not a great investor for you because I don't really know the hiring, referral, talent space very well. So for me, I don't think I could add a ton of value to your company. Two, like everyone's saying, I think the valuation is definitely a little high. Uh, maybe it makes sense from what you're seeing. You know you can close in two months. 
but today I've got to value you at 42,000 MRR. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's more like a four or five million dollar cap. You know, mm -hmm. 10 million is, is fairly generous. 15 yes. is really like mm -hmm. off the charts at that. The last one, which is I think the elephant in the room, is uh, there was a 30-second moment of uh, brutal honesty in your pitch. Uh -huh. And um, I found that a big personal turnoff. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're here because you want the publicity and you're open to raising money, I, that's fine, right? Um, even though you're not here really to raise money. But the, the way it was delivered felt very much like this is just a promotional opportunity for me and I don't care about any of you here or what value you can add. Um, and so for that, I think that was just a, a little flub. I think you're a very nice person. Um, but it was definitely a personal turnoff. And like in first impressions, like that's, that can like kill a, a deal, at least for me. So that's a hard pass from Jake. Here's Howie. I have a totally different view. I get pitched, you know, 60 to 70 companies a month, and I hear the same standard banal platitude rhetoric. Like, like it was refreshing Excellent. to hear that. And I think it's, I think you're scrappy, and I think you're opportunistic, and I think you have grit and like gumption, and I think that's fucking awesome. Thank you. Like, I, that's rare. I don't yeah. see that in the valley that much. Howie, let me ask you a question though. Yeah. Based on what you've seen, we're going to talk about you in front of you. But do you yeah. do you see her as a founder who's teachable? I you know I don't see it. It's interesting because I, I sort of pride myself on being a. I started my fund because I think I can identify talent and I think I can read people really well. I mean that's one of the early stage. I'm mostly betting on people, and as as brutally honest as you are, maybe it's just I have a lot of experience. I, I love working with East Coast founders and companies. It's just like it's not an ego or hubris thing. I actually do think you'd be open if we work together to like taking, you know, feedback. Yeah. You don't you don't seem cantankerous. Yeah. You actually just seem like you're crushing it, to be honest. <laughs> that that's what I get. And I I personally like I, I do think it's overvalued, but I do think that this could be one of those opportunities where it's like a half a billion to a billion dollar exit, if not more, based on your hustle, based on, you know, you know, all the things that you've said, based on your attraction, based on you overcoming sort of existential risk and, and digging yourself out of the, the uh, you know, trough of sorrow and then like actually delivering results. Like you're actually walking the walk. Like I'm in, I probably want to go in for like, you know, 25 or 30 or something like that. And, and I'm a creative and I have empathy for you and I'm an operator myself. So there's gap between venture and yeah. an entrepreneur um, is actually very, uh, uh, is very small for me. So I, oh. I, I like getting my hands dirty and like working very closely with my founders. Oh, so. Howie's in. Next up, Jillian. Let me let me understand this, Howie. Yes, Jillian. So uh, what I heard um, from Laura is I'm standing firm at 15. This is what I heard. Okay. Okay. But everybody, you know, who's spoken so far said, I would come in, but I would come in at a little bit lower. But if you're going to give Howie a lower valuation because he's going to tell you how valuable he is, then you should give that opportunity to all of us, don't you think? Or to the ones that you feel will add as much as he will. We're going to map it out with yeah. Yeah. real numbers and stuff. It's not just, oh, hey, Bob, you yes. know, the standard pitch. I can actually, I'll be very honest, and I'm not going to be humble on this because pretty much everybody who's listening Don't will know humble. this. That's like a I'm not, thing I'm anyway. not a humble person. Yeah, I'm not a humble her. person. I could pick up the phone and pretty much call, pretty much get the, at, at the highest level, the CEOs. Um, at least to... Which industry? To pretty much any industry. 
So I'm old. Okay, let me start there. I've been around a long time, okay? But let me just speak about you, okay? Okay. You're a heat-seeking missile. Absolutely. Um, I love love your grit, and I love your edge. Thanks. I was offended, I got to admit, about what you said. But this is what I tell founders all the time. You can be tenacious, but stay gracious. Yep. Okay? That's really, really important because... Business is about relationships, bottom line. So just be a little bit careful. You want to be cocky. You're okay. That's all okay. And you want to get marketing from this. Good for you. I mean, yes, absolutely. And I applaud you on that. It was the presentation of the reality. (laughs) And it's actually not the reality because one of the reasons is like I want to make sure our cap table is filled with female minority founders. And the fact that you were on here is actually one of the main reasons that I wanted to come because I totally redeems herself. (laughs) (laughs) So I really love this. I love you. I love the fact you're having, you're finding jobs for females in tech. I love that piece. Every inch of me wants to put a hundred grand into this. Okay. I'm absolutely choking on the 15 million. And I'm wondering if there's any possible way that the you would, come, get some that you would yeah. come down. Tequila, I've got a great tequila company. Tequila, like, uh, you get tequila for life with the hundred grand. Um, <laughs> no, I don't need that. Okay. You don't want to give me that. But, so <laughs> There I, goes I want- the company. <laughs> <laughs> Shots for everyone! They're talking tequila, but there's still the matter of how much of the company the investors will get. So I guess the question is, back at you. When you said, when we said to you, 15 of you definitely posted it back to us and said, well, what would you feel comfortable with? Or what would be good? So I'm coming that back, slinging it back onto you. What do you think? Do you think you could open this up for a couple of us who are interested or whatever at 13. Would you, I mean, we're talking about splicing hairs here. Yeah, I'm thinking about the whole like chessboard, you know, like not just what's in this Right, and it's not the money. It's just not the money. At the end of the day, it's actually not going to matter in terms of whether it's 10, 10, 11, 12, 12. or 15. It's actually not going to matter. I mean, we could we could I'm fill not, out that whole 150K at 10. 10 definitely. I really like came in with the real price that like I was like, Come on, give us 12. <laughs> give us 12. I mean, I actually really do want to talk about the real things where you would add value because yeah. Yeah. No, we're having a lot yeah. of these conversations for real. And so I okay. do want to. We should all talk. I'd love, I'd, love to, I'd love to chip in as well. I'm going to end this, right, okay, end by it. saying this. I got to go. Let's okay. Go, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you 100,000 yeah. at 15. Okay. Um, wow. Hold on. Okay. There's a caveat here. Okay. If after me, after sitting down with me and having a larger conversation, okay, you feel that I add more value than you expected me to, then you will consider lowering the valuation. Sounds good. Deal. All right. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I got to oh. another female investor. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. And I'm in. And yeah, and I'm in for 25. I would say I'm in for 50 at 15 with a 35% discount. Next steps, let's all get tequila yeah. and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go to post Jillian's buying. <laughs> Jillian's buying. Oh, it's Jillian buying. She put the most money in. You guys are like, hey. A lot just happened there. So a quick recap. Jillian came in for $100,000. Howie wants in for 25 and Shields in for 50 for a total of $175,000. When we come back, 
Laura leaves the room, and we hear what investors really thought about her. And then I get Laura on the phone to find out how things panned out after the fact. Stay tuned. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Laura just stepped out of the studio, and our investors speak freely. So meeting her, right right off the back, I like the company, but actually I, I hated her at the beginning. Yes. Um, I she was super, cocky. I didn't super hate cocky. Her. I was Very like, cocky. I hate this person. Um, definitely warmed up to her over time. But it's interesting, Howie, like, it sounds like you like you, you like that. I got her right away. I didn't think I, she was cocky. She, she, wa- she was cocky, but, but I think... I, I think it was just a display layer. It was yeah, just this thing that was she, like she was putting off, I and I knew was, that it wasn't really But I have really to tell her. you something. I, I come against this all the time. When a woman has to pitch, especially to a majority of men, all right, you have to come off time. Yeah, that's fair. You have to. And and it's, unfortunately, it's a catch-22 for women. If Either you're are, cocky or me. Yeah, if that was a man standing yeah. up here and being like that, you'd be like, oh, he is all that... The fact that he's a woman standing out there. I don't think I would. I do talk a lot to female (laughs) founders and just say, you know what? You don't have to be, you know, that that extra, extra tough because you do have to be tenacious. But I say this all the time, tenacious and gracious. There has to be a kind, you have to have a kindness about you. I actually saw the kindness when she was saying, my Armenia got me through those dark days. And then all of a sudden I saw her heart. Yeah, I didn't see her heart before. Totally, I love that. And then, right? I think that she's (laughs) an East Coaster. She is an East Coaster. And we're not used to the East Coasters. Oh, I am. I'm from the East Coast. You're from the East Coast. There's no bullshit. There was no bullshit no, there. No and bullshit. to your point, I agree. She should have said, like, I appreciate it. Thank you. She's like, like, I don't even have to be here. Okay, I don't the tenaciousness, I love, to that, your point, there yes. should have been a little bit of graciousness. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit. Like, a little bit. Like, like would have been nice. But, but yeah. at the same time, it's, like, I it's agree. okay to be cocky and yes. like, confident. Yes. That is not obnoxious. Fantastic. Right. But the, I don't need your money. I'm here for the publicity. Yeah. That was wrong. I disagree. No, that was Respectfully, because I looked at it as being opportunistic. I looked at being scrappy yes. i don't see that level of entrepreneurship no. anymore and i love it because she is like that's rare to me and i will i have a sunday test all my founders that i invest in i have to be able to hang out with them on a sunday yeah otherwise i'm not going to invest that's cool. and i can see myself hanging out with her like and that. just riffing on ideas 
brainstorming, hustling. And I, that's she, just the vibe I got yeah, from her. I mean, she was just a tough vibe. Yeah, but she smiled. When you saw her smile, you said, okay. And also she said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I said that. Yeah. And that spoke volumes to me. Someone can own their bad, I actually think is a kind of founder that I can work yeah. with. Because I have a lot of female founders and they are pitbulls. Yeah, yeah. And they have go. to be for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. Do we feel- oh, we're breaking? Right. Good. It's been almost a year now. And in the world of startups, a year is a lifetime. Look at this show, for instance. Since we recorded Laura's pitch, we joined a network. Thanks, Gimlet. And we are wrapping up our second season. But what's happened with Teamable? After her pitch, did Laura stick to her guns on the $15 million valuation? And of course, the obvious question, did the money come through? All right, so Jillian committed 100K, Howie 25, and Sheil 50K. What happened uh, after the pitch was over? Yeah, Howie, Howie invested at the, uh, the valuation we discussed. Um, the full the 25 call. at 15? He actually put in 30, yeah. Oh, oh, great. And then Sheil, he put in 50K? No, Sheil um, just uh, took longer than I usually do for these things. And since it wasn't like we needed the money, um, we just punted. Oh, really? Did he sh- flake out or you just like stopped pursuing him? What what happened? No, it was pretty mutual. I mean, to me, if it doesn't close within 24 to 48 hours, I move on. It's just a, a test Wait. of responsiveness, responsiveness of the partner. Yeah. For, for 24 to 48 hours? Yeah, I believe in closing. <laughs> you are you're in that much demand that you can ask that from your investors? I don't think it's demand. I think it's just good good business. And so if it doesn't close quickly, yeah, I move on. All right. So let's come to Jillian. She committed 100K uh, on the show. What happened after the fact? I think she committed 100K, invested personally from her fund whose name I love is called Broad Strategy. (laughs) So Jillian, and she also invested 200K from her fund structure. Wow. So you got 300K in total through Jillian, essentially. That's right. All right, bringing the total to 330k on the show. Correct. That's exciting. Yes, that's right. Wow, she's awesome. She uh, awesome. So yeah, what's it been like working with uh, Jillian since the pitch? Yeah, I mean Jillian, Howie, they've all been they've all been great. Um, super great energy. Super great partner. Calls you out um, when you're you know doing something irrational or, or cutting off a process. It's hard as a CEO that's that's doing well to to find people that will challenge you um, with love. Yeah, I am curious. Have you changed the like um, what you're paying your developers in Armenia at all? Yeah, we doubled it. Doubled it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. What caused you to to do that? Um, I mean, like. Uh, Pre-Series A, we were, like, very lean. Like, I lived off of $1,500 a month for two in and a half years. In San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? So, like, uh, and, you know, so I was actually getting the same salary some of them were getting. And you can live really well in Armenia off of, like, $400. i have lived there and done it. So I'm not yeah. just, like, saying something like an ass. Um, all right. So if you can remember back to your pitch, 
what it was like in the room pitching those five investors. What sticks out in your mind? That like uh, record stopping moment when I said like, I didn't uh, need them. I don't remember exactly what I said, <laughs> yeah. but usually- Yeah, you said like, we don't need the money. Yeah. yeah, usually when you're like belligerent like that about an authentic like that, usually there's like one that will come, you know, to your defense or just like really like the breath of fresh air. Um, and for right. a second there, I thought there wasn't going to be any, and it was literally <laughs> going to be like a, you know, I was just going to have to shake their hand. This is going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. And go. Um, and I remember just being like, uh, you know, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, like deal with the awkward pause, yeah. you know, like, um, I knew that actually not needing investment is one of the best ways, uh, to get investment. And so I thought if yeah. nothing else, you know, I would at least put that knowledge out there. After you left the room, uh, investors said that you were cocky. And like, why, why do you think that is, that they, they pushed back so much on your attitude and demeanor? I definitely, like, I know this. I've improved 100%. I still have like 7,000% more to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to pick my words better for people on the West Coast. <laughs> like, um, East Coast style is to, like, bark something at someone. They bark back. And, you know, it's a non-traditional style for my gender. That could be it. Um, yeah. And, I mean, they actually said that after the fact. Jillian brought that up. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, if if this was a man in here pitching this with the same attitude, you would have not said she's cocky, but it's because she's a woman that you said that. So she called them out on that. And they said, no, 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 that's not what happened. We wouldn't have done that. I really don't want to get into this narrative of like competitive disadvantages because I think there's so many competitive advantages to being a woman. But to me, words are words, right? Like, I don't, that's great that she called me cocky, but she invested. And I definitely don't want like any woman that's listening to this to think we have like a competitive disadvantage because we have so many competitive advantages what would be worse would be my engaging in the narrative of like i have a losing hand because i'm a i'm a woman it's just like that yeah. that would be you know then i would have lost right like there's always competitive advantages yeah, yeah like what are your competitive advantages you feel i think one is that people trust me right and so it's like uh you know people if people trust each other they're willing to be more open, more collaborative, take risks and all these things. And you think like, like as a woman, like finding what that, you know, maybe, maybe it's not that people trust you. Maybe it is, but like finding whatever your unique competitive advantage is and just embracing that and not even thinking about like the sex side of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, you should, it's like any, I mean, I was a rugby player, right? And so like there were advantages I had because I was low to the ground, right? And that was like uh, <laughs> you know, a low center of gravity, right? So there's going to yeah. be advantage that you have just from your structure. And then there were advantages I had because it was me, which is like I knew what people were going to do mm -hmm. before they did it, right? And that's like a very unique to me advantage. And I use that. So I always look like the fastest person. But actually, if you looked at my 40 time, it was slow. Right? And so you need to figure out what are your women advantages and then what are your unique, unique advantages. 
Whether you're playing rugby or pitching to investors, there are always a lot of subtle dynamics at play. Strategy, attitude, gender, and you never know which will prove to be the deciding factor. Laura told our investors she didn't need any money, yet she still walked away with hundreds of thousands of dollars in funding, more than any other startup on her show so far. How did she do it? I tend to agree with Laura that she got this funding because investors trusted her, and they trusted her because she was brutally honest. In every pitch, investors try to see behind an entrepreneur's mask to see who they really are as a founder. Laura made that easy with her blunt delivery. That can be a polarizing strategy, but polarizing isn't always a bad thing. The investors who do appreciate that approach won't need much more convincing. This is the final episode of season two. We'll be on break until October 25th when season three starts. We just recorded those pitches earlier this month. And let me just say, you're not gonna wanna miss them. Oh, and before I go, remember that Golden Gate Bridge replica that Jillian was talking about earlier? NASA did buy it, and they're now using it for wind tunnel testing. Pretty cool. All right, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you this fall. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Asa Chaturvedi, and Rob Zipko. We are edited by Devin Taylor with help from Alex Bloomberg. Special thanks to Colleen Pellissier and Allison Berenger, who originally produced this episode back in our indie podcast days. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Musemaker, Bobby Lord, Jeff Brodsky, Christian Bjorkland, John Kimbrough, Louis Weeks, Bean Art, and Edwin. We were mixed by Enoch Kim. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the season two recording event last fall. And a quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Also, I want to say a quick thank you to the original sponsor of season two, the It's Worth Doing Right family. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. I'm Josh Muccio. See you next season. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.